You made it. It's Friday. It's the end of the week. It's finally the weekend. It is. It is the weekend, right? Because once uh, once Friday at two p.m. hits, yeah, that's when that's when cracking a beer is acceptable. Absolutely. Uh, Because, hey, it's 5 o'clock somewhere, right? And it's not necessarily 5 o'clock on the East Coast time because we're two hours behind. Bermuda. But, like, yeah, somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean is 5 o'clock. So go ahead and uh, crack one open, but not while you're driving. No drinking and driving. Uh, So go home, crack open a cold one. Or, I mean, hey, if you're streaming us at home, I know a lot of people do on their Alexa devices or the ESPN Tucson mobile app, ESPNTucson.com. Enjoy a beverage while you enjoy Spears and Ali. Mm -hmm. Uh, Only for two hours today, though, because we got Phoenix Suns taking on the Boston Celtics tonight. And uh, we have coverage beginning at 5 o'clock here on ESPN Tucson. So we got a two-hour show today. But, man, we got lots to get into. Um, The Kelsey brothers finally addressed the Kelsey Bowl on their podcast. They talked about it. They also go into other storylines in the Super Bowl, which we will also discuss later this hour. And then plus the... Denver Broncos possibly hiring Brian Flores as their defensive coordinator under Sean Payton. That would be a big move for the Denver Broncos. Uh, For the Arizona Cardinals, I know they are looking at Brian Flores to possibly be their next head coach. (laughs) If the Cardinals don't get Brian Flores and he ends up going to the Denver Broncos, uh, hey, look out Denver. I mean, I think good coaching really goes a long way in the NFL. I mean, shoot, just look at the Jacksonville Jaguars, the New York Giants this past season. Uh, when you get a very uh, well-respected head coach in a Sean Payton, who, yes, comes with a price tag, but when you also get a guy like a Brian Flores who also gets the best out of his players. I mean, look at what he did with the Miami Dolphins when they were trying to tank for Tua. When you have two guys like that, um, I think it could really bring competence to your franchise, and that's certainly what the Denver Broncos need. That's certainly what Russell Wilson needs. Uh, so we'll see what this can do for the Denver Broncos if they are able to make this happen. But, yeah, we'll discuss that later this hour. <laughs> and the Cardinals, plus, If the Cardinals can't land Flores, it's over for them for next year. Yeah, who, like, who are they getting? Uh, was it Aaron Glenn from the Detroit Lions, their defensive coordinator? Like, I don't, I don't really know who they're going to be <laughs> circling to, to possibly hire. And then it seems like Vance Joseph, their current defensive coordinator, is just kind of like a a, a last resort. The They're Car- just keeping him in the back pocket just in case. Are the Cardinals the Browns of the South West? I guess. Uh, no, not necessarily. I mean, because they, be relatively speaking, when's the last time the Browns have had a deep run in the playoffs? Like at least the Cardinals have made a Super Bowl run in the last 20 years or so. Um, yeah. And they've made, they made the playoffs a couple times since then, but. I don't know. They're just they're just a very incompetent franchise that has a lot of expectations when they make some moves and then they just completely fail at these expectations. Uh, that's certainly what happened with the Cliff Kingsbury era, and uh, now they they're looking for a head coach to arrange with Kyler Murray, and this is going to be an arranged marriage. How is this going to work? And this coach is going to really have to want to coach a guy like Kyler Murray and mentor him. And Kyler Murray. When he's healthy, I know that he's small, but he's got the skill set to be a solid NFL quarterback. Um, Obviously, that wasn't the case under Cliff Kingsbury. Maybe, again, competent leadership. What happened with the Giants, what happened with the Jaguars, maybe that can somewhat happen with the Arizona Cardinals. I don't know. Uh, But right now, it's a dumpster fire, and it seems like nobody wants to coach the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, 
But we'll talk about the the coaching hires, the Kelsey brothers, plus Derek Carr's got jokes. He was joking around at the Pro Bowl games. Uh, I can't wait to discuss NFL later this hour. And then in the next hour, uh, we're going to do our Friday favorite interview, our best interview from the week. And I think we're going to run it back with Terrell Stoglin once again, the former uh, Tucson native, or he is a Tucson native, but uh, formerly played at Santa Rita High School, was a star at Maryland, has been an absolute star overseas. He talked about his basketball career growing up in Tucson and how much he's grown ever since his career at the University of Maryland. So we're going to run it back with Terrell Stoglin at 325. We're going to hear from Dana Scott to talk some NBA. And then it's been a wild last couple of days in the National Basketball Association. And let me tell you, the NBA All-Star Weekend, the trade deadline, it's going to get very spicy. Things are starting to heat up. We'll talk about that coming up later on in uh, top three headlines. Um, All right. Spears and Ali on ESPN Tucson is presented by Casino del Sol, the soul of Tucson, Tucson Federal Credit Union, and the Volpe team at Nova Home Loans. All right. You guys know what we're going to be talking about in top three headlines. Let's just go ahead and get to headline number one. 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 Top headline for today. You saw it last night. Arizona basketball taking down the Oregon Ducks. 91 to 76. Arizona gets it done behind Azulis Tubelis's 40-point game, nine rebounds. Uh, in case you're wondering uh, where his 40-point game stacks up in the Arizona record books, it's the first 40-point game by an Arizona Wildcat since Damon Stoudemire in 1995. It's also their first 40-point uh, game at McHale Center because <clears throat> Damon had his 43-point uh, game on the road. It's the first 40-point game at McHale Center um, since Khalid Reeves against Michigan in 1993. And by the way, Damon had uh, had 45 points in 1995 against Stanford on the road. Uh, But Khalid Reeves was the last guy to have 40 at McHale Center against the Fab Five in 1993. And Azulis Tubelis last night had a 40-piece. And what really just impressed me the most was how he got it. The dude had 27 at halftime. 27 at halftime. I was really starting to think, man, he's he's going to he's going to break Al Fleming's record. And it's kind of weird because it's going to happen on the same night that Al Fleming, who scored uh, 41 points against a Dick Vitale coached Detroit team in 1976, that's a McHale Center record by a Wildcat. It's going to be crazy that the night that he's being inducted into the Ring of Honor, Azulis Tubelis is going to break his record. And all he needed was two points, and he was going to get it. And He needed two points with like five minutes left. Yeah, and that's the, the crazy part is like the, the pace in which he got the 40-piece, it was insane. It was really like in 26 or 27 minutes of gameplay, and then the last stretch, he just went quiet. And... Tommy Lloyd said it, I and mean, we're going to play more Tommy Lloyd clips uh, at the top of the 4 o'clock hour, and <laughs> Kirk Creesa was fantastic in the post-game press conference. Uh, make sure you tune in at the top of the 4 o'clock hour for those uh, those clips there. But, you know, Tommy Lloyd was unaware of the record, and he said, my SID, which means sports information director, does a pretty good job of telling me, or not telling me, these these types of things. And I feel like a graduate assistant or an assistant coach, a manager, someone should have 
got message from someone. I felt like there should have been a message passed along to the the players to let them know, hey, Al Fleming had 41. That's the record by an Arizona player. Jimmer Fredette had 49. That's the most by any player in McHale Center history. Just so you know, like if you want to go out here and chase history. And Azulis Tubelis, at the pace that he was scoring, man, he would have got 50 last night if he really, really just said, bleep it, I'm going to take every single shot. They can't stop me. They cannot stop me. I'm getting to the free throw line. I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm efficient from the field. I'm just. I'm. I'm that dude right now. And, and to do it against a Pac-12 school. Do it against Oregon, against like a, a, a really good team. And you know, this was a team that gave Arizona fits uh, last time they played against them out there in Eugene. And again, I was just. I was all in on Azulus Tubelis setting the record and. Becoming a part of Arizona history. I mean, it's still a part of Arizona history. Don't get me wrong. Azul Stabellis is firmly in Arizona's uh, record books. And, oh, by the way, um, he moved up to 1,296 career points on Thursday. He passed Nick Wise uh, for, I think, 29th most points in Arizona history. Uh, And he needs four points to – or, no, excuse me, five points to overcome Ivan Radenovich. And then next up is Alonzo Trier and Mustafa Shakur. So Azul Stubelis continues to climb Arizona record books. And that game last night, if Azul Stubelis isn't the Pac-12 Player of the Year, I don't I don't know who is. You know, I hear Jaime Hawkins from UCLA as the number two option. Jaime Hawkins ain't putting up 40. Jaime Hawkins isn't doing what Azul Stubelis is doing. Nobody in the Pac-12 is doing what he's doing. He was just one rebound shy of getting yet another double-double. And an, another impressive performance by Umar Balo, by the way. He had a double-double himself. Azul Stubelis and Umar Balo combined for 50 points and 20 rebounds last night. Just absolutely insane by those two guys. But the the pace that Azul Stubelis is playing at right now, the level that he's playing at, there is not a single player in the Pac-12 doing it. That game last night put his stamp on Pac-12 Player of the Year. And you know what? It put him in the driver's seat, in my opinion, to win National Player of the Year. I know people are high on Zach Eady from Purdue. I know there are a lot of other great players in college basketball right now. But again, Azul Stubelis is a double-double machine. He leads the Pac-12 in points. He's one of the top rebounders. And right now... He is Arizona's alpha dog. He's been the most consistent player all season long, but now he's starting to kind of put on a superhero cape a little bit and really put Arizona on his back in some stretches. And he has just blossomed into a great player. And I asked Tommy Lloyd last night if if he compares to DeMontis Savonis, who plays for the Sacramento Kings, who, by the way, uh, was named an NBA All-Star uh, yesterday. And... Tommy Lloyd said, yeah, they're they're very similar. They're both Lithuanian, they're both lefty, and they're both men of few words. But DeMontis Sabonis uh, was, is an all-star, so I think it's unfair to compare Azulis Tubelis to him. But they have very similar games, and I know that Azulis Tubelis looks up to DeMontis Sabonis as an uh, older brother and a mentor. And those guys have very similar games. And I look at Azulis Tubelis, and right now, not only is he shown that he's the Pac-12 Player of the Year and the National Player of the Year, but now we have to start talking about Azulis Tubelis in the NBA draft conversations. 
I know some people are probably thinking, ah, he's a he's a second-round pick at best. I don't know, man. The the way he's playing, again, it's all about fit. And Azul's Tubelas can fit on a lot of NBA teams just by the way he's playing. Uh, you don't have to be this prototypical stretch four anymore. Again, it's all about fit. Look at Aaron Gordon with the Denver Nuggets. Nikola Jokic is this versatile center, a point center, if you will. He gets the ball on the high post a lot and can often play on the perimeter when he wants to, and that's perfect for a guy like Aaron Gordon who's not necessarily an outside shooter. He can cut to the basket. He can make plays around the rim, and that's the thing about Azul Stubelis is that he makes plays around the rim, whether he's going at it, dunking or layups, or just simple mid-range jumpers. Like He's got a very fundamentally sound game. Now, can he start to knock down more three-pointers and really extend his game? That's the next element to his game. But, I mean, shoot, the dude got 40 points last night and did it by not making any three-pointers. Like, he was he was just operating around the rim and getting to the free-throw line. So he's very crafty at scoring without being a three-point shooter. And so... Azulis Tubelis, man, that, that game last night, it was cool to witness. Like, we were witnessing history. Al Fleming gets inducted into the Ring of Honor, and Azulis Tubelis is flirting with his record on the same night. Like, you can't make this stuff up. And the record was into it. Yeah. It, <laughs> <laughs> and, by the way, his, his Al Fleming, um, he, uh, rest his soul, passed away in 2003. He was represented by his family. Sister had amazing things to say about Tucson, the University of Arizona. Same with um, his niece. You know Al Fleming's mother? Her name is Arizona Fleming. They 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 grew up in Michigan City, Indiana. His mother's name is Arizona. When that, when yeah. Fred Snowden came and recruited him, they were like, oh, we found her guy. Yeah, Arizona. Cool. How about that? And he ends up coming to Arizona. That is the strangest story I think I've ever heard. Isn't that weird? <laughs> yeah. But uh, had a great career at the U of A. Um, it has the most career double-doubles in Arizona history, most career rebounds. Was an absolute star. And I was thinking about this. I'm like, when Azulis Tabellas finished with 40, do you think that they were, like, low-key in the stands? Like, yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Like uh, the Miami Dolphins, well, whenever think... somebody does it, whenever an NFL team doesn't go undefeated and they're yeah. popping champagne. You I think mean... that's what Al Fleming's family was doing? Like, Hey, good performance, but yes. I think that would have been like pretty cool though if he'd have beaten the record on the night that the family was there, because they could have like congratulated him in person. Yeah, no doubt. You know, but oh, it, well. but it didn't happen. It didn't happen. So they're probably like, damn it, yeah, let's go, baby. All right, <clears throat> but Azus Tubelis, unbelievable performance last night. Forty points. Let's see if he can uh, <laughs> do something similar on Saturday against Oregon State. All right, let's go to headline number two. Two. Andrew's New Year's resolution for Spears and Ali was for the show to talk more about Kyrie Irving. Yep, that's and damn what it, it was. He's got it. Yep. Kyrie Irving, that's what I wanted. <laughs> the Brooklyn Nets star who Ooh, was named, who was named an All Star starter. I mean, he's had a great uh, year this year for the Brooklyn Nets. Dude, don't get, get me wrong. Did he get ketchup on his church pants he, he and didn't. Instagram exploded? Listen, Kyrie Irving's having a great year for the Brooklyn Nets, but According to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, Kyrie Irving has requested a trade once again by the Brooklyn Nets. And uh, the reason why they're requesting a trade, or why he's requesting a trade, mm. is because... The earth is flat. Not, not that the earth is flat. is because he wanted to 
reach a contract deal with the Brooklyn Nets. He wanted to reach an extension going into All-Star break because he figured, hey, I've I've given you guys this. I feel like I'm war- I, I feel like I'm, I'm deserving of a $200 million contract. And the Brooklyn Nets are like, well, you've been injured. You've also been a headache on the side <laughs> times two, times four. We're not really sure if we're comfortable giving you this amount of money. How about you make it to the end of the season, show us what you guys can do in the playoffs together, and then we'll give you the contract. And Kyrie Irving's like, you know what? Screw, screw you guys. I need this money or I'm going to walk. I'm a free agent this summer. So Kyrie Irving's like, okay, you don't want to give me the contract extension? It's time. I'm requesting a trade. And he requested a trade, according to NBA insiders, and now, according to Woj, suitors to land Kyrie Irving include the Phoenix Suns. Oh, boy. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, The Dallas Mavericks, which, by the way, I think pairing up Kyrie with Luka could be a great matchup uh, or a, a great tandem together. And the Dallas Mavericks would actually be able to afford him in the offseason, give him that much money. And then the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, I'm not sure what the Lakers could give up, considering they made that trade for Rui Achimura and they gave up a you know a couple of picks. So are they going to give up Russell Westbrook and Lonnie Walker and other picks or Rui Achimura? Uh, Rui Achimura <laughs> it, it spent a couple weeks with the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm not really sure what's going to happen there, but here we all here we go again, right before All Star break. Kyrie Irving is an All Star starter for the Nets, and he's probably going to get traded during All Star weekend. It's a uh, it's wild, man. But here we go. Once again, Kyrie Irving. The trade rumors have fired up. Another uh, dark horse to land Kyrie. Look out for the Miami Heat. Look out for them. All right, let's go to headline number three. 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 Speaking of NBA All-Stars, Laurie Markinen, former Arizona Wildcat, was named an All-Star Reserve. Uh, Laurie Markinen having a great year for the Utah Jazz. He's their leading scorer and leading rebound, averaging 24.9 points and 8.7 boards per game. So he's an all-star reserve, and uh, he joins Paul George, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Jaron Jackson Jr., Damian Lillard, John Morant, and DeMontis Sabonis. I feel like De'Aaron Fox might have got snubbed for an all-star spot, but I digress. I think that the all-star reserves, pretty solid. Uh, maybe Jaron Jackson, not so much. I don't know. But I don't know anyone that you could substitute in for Jaron Jackson. Um, again, there are a couple names out there. But, again, I, I think that Jaron Jackson is very deserving of it. Um, and then the West starters are LeBron, Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, Zion Williamson, and Nikola Jokic. But Laurie Markkinen, shout-out to him, former Arizona Wildcat, becoming an all-star. He's the first Sean Miller-era Wildcat to be an all-star. And uh, he's the fourth Wildcat period to earn All-Star nods, joining Andre Iguodala, who last played it in 2012, Gilbert Arenas, and Sean Elliott. So shout-out Laurie Markkinen for having a great year. And uh, best news about him making an All-Star, uh, making the All-Star team, he doesn't have to go anywhere. All-Star weekend's in Salt Lake City this year. All right, coming up next on Spears and Ali, let's uh, talk about this Kyrie Irving situation. What can the Phoenix Suns give up to land Kyrie Irving and uh, plus, we'll celebrate Michael Jordan Day with Dana Scott from the Arizona Republic. Stay tuned. The answer is dignity. Ah, uh, Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving. He is he is something else, man. He certainly knows how to bring the attention to himself. Now, let's get first, you know, 
let's get one thing on the table here. Kyrie Irving's having a great season for the Brooklyn Nets. In, in the times that he's played this year, he's been an unbelievable player. There's a reason why he's an all-star starter. Kyrie Irving, respect him for what he's doing this year. Um, now, one thing about Kyrie Irving is that he's a drama queen. He could be a headache sometimes. And in the latest edition of Kyrie Irving being maybe a headache, it's him requesting a trade from the Brooklyn Nets. Now, according to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, the Nets and Kyrie Irving failed to reach a contract extension. And now going into All-Star break, he's looking to move on from the Brooklyn Nets and is asking for a trade. Now, the Phoenix Suns have been rumored as a team that could possibly land Kyrie Irving. So let's talk about the possibility of the Suns landing Kyrie Irving and the potential options in which the Suns can lay out for the Brooklyn Nets. And let's do that with Dana Scott from the Arizona Republic. So, Dana, as soon as the Kyrie Irving news hit, I was like, okay, we got to talk about the Phoenix Suns and how they could find a way to get Kyrie Irving because Kyrie Irving's a pretty good player. Now, yes, he does have a lot of drama and maybe some baggage that comes with him, but and he's, he's putting up insane numbers. And I think, you know, if the Phoenix Suns were able to get a guy like Kyrie Irving, you know, that might be worth something. Yeah, here we go again, Justin, right? So, I mean, this past summer, that's only been about, uh, you know, like eight months. No, yeah, like nine nine months since we went through the scenario with Kevin Durant and the Nets. Yeah. Uh, go with the Suns trying to uh, possibly strike a deal and James Jones denying it. But now we're in the fray in which they have to strike a deal by the deadline for the kid Jay Crowder, who was part of the Kevin Durant trade talks uh, with the Suns involved to begin with. So they're going to have to move him and open up their roster spots because he hasn't been with the team uh, since training camp and their mutual agreement to part ways. Yeah. Landry Shamit is probably going to have to be in the mix because they he signed a forty million uh, uh, year deal. He, yeah, he signed a forty million extension. Uh, actually, in the middle of last year, right after they traded for him to come from um, from Brooklyn, so they would have to send him back to Brooklyn, and that probably wouldn't be a bad scenario because, uh, as he told me, his girlfriend lives there uh, if he's still with her. Um, so. That's the thing about Brooklyn is that they're going to have to uh, – I see these trade scenarios. Everybody's going to run to the ESPN trade machine about this, as they have uh, since the news broke from Woj. And Landry Shamit, uh, Jay Crowder, he could be an asset to any team, uh, such as the Milwaukee Bucks, who the Suns gave permission to speak with him of a possible trade before the deadline on February 9th. And maybe even – a point guard, a Cameron Payne of some sort. Uh, it's going to take somebody of value. Um, if Chris Paul, it probably won't be him. But anything is possible with dealing with these trade talks because yeah. we've seen the impossible become possible in NBA. Well, and that's why I'm trying to figure out what the Phoenix Suns can do because we all know that DeAndre Ayton is now eligible to be traded. So DeAndre Ayton is an interesting piece for the Brooklyn Nets, but – you know, what are you going to do with Chris Paul? And then, oh, by the way, you got Devin Booker, and then you got Kyrie Irving. Are you just going to run a House of Guards lineup and have, you know, Devin Booker play the three? I'm not really sure that's an ideal scenario. Or do you trade a guy like Chris Paul? How do you do that? And would the Brooklyn Nets be willing to take on Chris Paul and in, in what he's bringing? I, I'm not really sure how the Phoenix Suns can go about this. But, man, if they were able to swing a guy like Kyrie Irving, that would be interesting. Yeah, the thing about Chris Paul, he's got two years left on his deal. He signed a $120 million contract for four years uh, right after the finals in 2021. And so he's got 
fifty million dollars less that he's going to be owed. So thirty million this year, and uh, thir- actually thirty million uh, uh, actually this year, and thirty million the next. And so that is a tradable contract for some teams who think they could use a thirty-eight-year-old guy. So be it. But I don't think the Nets are going to do that. They are not going to be in a rebuilding stage, but they are going to need a point guard. So and a all-star worthy point guard, which Chris Paul is. So you now who's to say that it won't happen? But thing is, is that are the it, Kyrie Irving is going to be a rental to any team. So is James Jones, the Phoenix Suns general manager, going to be willing to give Kyrie Irving an extension after this year when he becomes a free agent? Is yeah. it really? Does he really want to take on that three thirty-six point five million contract that Kyrie opted in for in June, um, right when free agency started? So, is is that something that James Jones wants to do? Because long term, it's really what James Jones' outlook outlook is. Kyrie Irving is yeah. thirty years old; he's still playing at a high level. But is he willing to take on all the controversy that comes with Kyrie Irving? He has not played over sixty games since five seasons ago. Yeah. And that's the problem, not just yeah, like the old Bill Parcells mantra, you know, the best ability is availability, uh, but also the controversy that comes with Kyrie Irving. Are you willing to put down a long-term possible contract for the return on investment, which is going to be everything that we've seen that this season and that the Nets are basically like, you know what, we're at hands-off. It really looks like a you-can't-fire-me-I-quit scenario in essence with Kyrie Irving in the net. So are the Suns willing to give this up? I know the Lakers are in talks, or Lakers are speculated to possibly start talks with the Nets to have Kyrie Irving out there. But if he wants to go back to L.A., it might not be a good fit for him with the Lakers, being that they're over the luxury tax, yeah. and they're in the 13th spot. So they're not a player away from a championship <laughs> in the Western Conference, two and a half games, two games out of the A spot right now. And who are the Nets going to try to trade with you could see maybe the Clippers. If you saw the game last night, the Clippers versus the Bucks. Did you? Do you all watch that game? I didn't. Okay. I did not watch I'll tell that. You why you should watch it? Okay. Okay. Here's the thing. Giannis had 54 points last night, right? He missed two straight free throws to put the Nets and help seal the victory uh, when the final minutes. Paul George. They only went to a one-on-one in ISO scenario to try to get the lead back. They blew a 21-point lead with third quarter. Um, in the third quarter, and then it came down to the final minute. Giannis and Drew Holiday threw the ball away twice within the final minute. The Nets, uh, I'm sorry, the Clippers, still couldn't get it done with Kawhi, and an ISO took a bad shot. So two straight bad shots after two straight giveaways from the Bucks, and they still couldn't get it done. They yeah. still couldn't get the win. That means that they're one player away from actually being a creator to get that shot off and getting a better shot, which could have been Kyrie Irving. So in that scenario, if you get – guys that are moved from the Clippers, such as John Wall, and I saw the Bobby Marks uh, trade scenario of Luke Kennard, uh, Terrence Mann, Robert Covington, and John Wall for Kyrie Irving. That could work, yeah. possibly, if you have a guy like uh, if, if you have Steve Ballmer, who likes to spend his money, you know, to bring a guy who's box office like Kyrie Irving into the mix. Yeah. Now I, I like the the idea of possibly the Clippers making a re- move for Kyrie because I mean as a as a Lakers fan is as much as Laker fans are delusional and we want to say oh we're gonna get this guy we're gonna get this star Laker fans are delusional when it comes to that I'll be the first one to admit but I'm looking at the possibility for a, a trade for Kyrie Irving and I'm thinking about well they just made the Rui Achimura trade 
And then, you know, where, yep. where, what are they going to give up? Lonnie Walker, Russell Westbrook, second-round picks. Are the Brooklyn Nets going to want that in return? And plus, are the Lakers capable enough of giving Kyrie Irving the money that he wants? I don't think so. And that's why I really think it's, uh, for the Lakers, it's really a long shot to get a guy like Kyrie Irving unless he's cool just being a rental until the offseason. I look at maybe the Dallas Mavericks, maybe pairing him up with Luka Doncic. They could also give him the contract or possibly even the Miami Heat. I feel like those two teams could really make a move for Kyrie. Yeah, the Mavericks uh, keeps getting into the mix in, uh, of people's talks because they're not one player away, but they need another guy to replace Jalen Brunson off the bounce who did what he did in the playoffs, and now he's in New York and doing great things there. But is it really, really something where you have basically two guys and you've got to have role players willing to play with Kyrie uh, or Doncic who's being willing to put up with Kyrie you know, for the next couple months and to try to get into the, you know, the good, good seating into the playoffs. So that's the thing about Kyrie is, is, is he going to be willing to commit to saying, all right, I know I'm going to be a rental somewhere. Yeah. I know I'm going to have to play the rest of the season out somewhere else where I can be a good fit and help this team win and help this possibly uh, prioritize getting my money after showing that I have shown a priority of being a winning good teammate. That's, Really, the GM's decision, not just Kyrie Irving's decision, and that's where they're going to have to meet in the middle. And so with the Suns, with where they are in the seventh spot, I don't see that happening. They have nine guaranteed contracts this year, and I know they have, they're paying their way into the luxury tax. They're far over the threshold. They're going to try to relieve that room. With Kyrie, they're going to be right back into it and having to give him that extension that he wants, or else they're basically trading away a bunch of players and – Kyrie walking away, leaving them with nothing mm-hmm. in a basic, basic rebuild stage uh, if, if that Kyrie were to be coming to Phoenix. So I see him possibly as a Clipper, not a Laker. Yep. Maybe a Mav if Mark Cuban is willing to do that move and have him meet in the middle with Kyrie. Dana Scott from the Arizona Republic does a great job covering the Phoenix Suns. Make sure you follow him on Twitter and find his work at AZ Central Sports. Uh, Dana, man, always appreciate you. Thank you once again. Have a great weekend. All right. Hope you get to some of those Super Bowl parties next week. Absolutely, See man. See you. <laughs> uh, speaking of the Super Bowl, let's talk about it. The Kelsey Bros will meet up in the Kelsey Bowl. It's the first time brothers have faced against each other as players. We've seen the Harbaugh's do it as coaches. Now we get players. The Kelsey Bros talk about playing against each other, and we'll address that coming up next year on ESPN Radio. You're listening to Spears and Ali, brother. On ESPN Tucson, 1490 AM, 94.9 HD Channel 4, and the Spears and Ali podcast. So uh, we're a little over a week away from Super Bowl in Glendale, Arizona. Man, Phoenix is going to be a wild time this upcoming week. you got waste management, or as we call wasted management. It's going to be, as the kids call, lit. That waste management open. Man, the whole 16 on Saturday, that is going to be insane. (laughs) Absolutely insane. And then you got, of course, the Super Bowl. And the big storyline for the Super Bowl is the Kelsey Bros. Jason Kelsey, the center for the Philadelphia Eagles, and Travis Kelsey, the tight end, star tight end, one of the greatest of all time for the Kansas City Chiefs. Both of them are meeting up against each other in the Super Bowl. They are the first players playing against each other, or the first brothers playing against each other in the Super Bowl. And uh, they talked about it on their podcast. Here's what they had to say. 
I don't know if you guys know this, but there's two brothers playing in the Super Bowl, and it's Jason and Travis Kelsey. If the world hasn't force-fed you this shit already. We're officially the first brothers to play in a Super Bowl against one another. What are the chances that two guys go to the NFL, they realize their dream of playing in the NFL, then they become starters, then they become all pros yeah. and important pieces of their team. We're fortunate enough to be on that good of teams. And then they end up playing each other in a Super Bowl. It's got to be something like a lottery pick, probability, right? Damn. Like, should we have been playing the lottery? Were we playing the lottery this whole time? Did we just win the Mega 8? I think whoever wins the game wins the Mega 8. Oh, it's not enough to play against each other. you got to win against the other one? Yeah. All right, that's fair. For it to line up like it has been this year, specifically Pro Bowl, All Pros, this podcast. Yep. For it to all align like it has, it's mind-boggling, man. I kind of don't like that we're calling it the Kelsey Bowl. Please. Appreciate the support. Yeah. Let's get back to Chiefs-Eagles Super Bowl. Yeah, there's a lot of guys involved with this. There's major organizations involved. There's unbelievable storylines in the Super Bowl. Yep. Obviously, there's us, but there's also Andy Reid. I don't know if you know this. Nick Sirianni used to coach with the Chiefs. Yep, I saw that. There's tons of storylines here. A.J. Brown, Willie Gay Jr. Yeah. Played high school ball together. Appreciate you guys calling it the Kelsey Bowl, but let's, uh, <laughs> let's focus on the uh, Chiefs-Eagles, man. We'll still call it the Kelsey Bowl, but let's acknowledge it's not the Kelsey Bowl. All right. Yep. So, Kelsey Bowl, but, hey, they got some other storylines, too. And it, I totally forgot that Nick Sirianni used to coach for the Kansas City Chiefs. So, it's a it's a personal game for a lot of uh, people involved here. For our listeners who couldn't see the video, they say, let's not call it the Kelsey Bowl. And then at the end, they flash mer- their own merchandise for their podcast. It's a T-shirt that says Kelsey, Kelsey Bowl, Bowl New Heights Podcast. <laughs> In big letters. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's- massive. <laughs> With all due respect, hey, it's the Super Bowl. It's not the Kelsey Bowl. Kelsey Bowl. Yeah. Why get your merch now? <laughs> um, but I don't know if you also know this, but the uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, well, the city of Philadelphia, they have a statue of Rocky. They have a statue of a fictional sports hero. But Philadelphia loves Rocky. And don't you dare mess with their statue. The last few weeks... The opponent that the Eagles play in the playoffs, their fans have put their jerseys on the Rocky statue. And Travis Kelsey has a message for Chiefs fans. I'm convinced that there's a Philadelphia fan who is putting these shirts on the so Rocky perfect, statue man. just to get everybody oh all fired gosh, up. Man. And it's working. It's working tremendously. <laughs> so keep doing it. I guarantee it. There's no way. Because this happened every single game. The Giants did it. That's sick. 49ers, there'll probably be a Chiefs jersey on it this week. No way. Um, No way. Right now, Chiefs, do not touch the (laughs) Rocky Memorial, okay? (laughs) Do not do that, all right? Definitely don't put an 87 on there. Do not do that. Um, Yeah, so don't don't touch the Rocky statue. Don't uh, don't get them all fired up. At least don't put a Kelsey jersey on it. Yeah. Also, Andrew, uh, one more clip for – uh, NFL news. So yesterday was the uh, Pro Bowl games. And one thing that I love about the Pro Bowl, even though I'm not really interested in watching the Pro Bowl because the AFC quarterbacks are just absolutely atrocious. I mean, we're talking about Lamar Jackson's backup and Snoop Huntley. We're talking about Derek Carr, Snoop. who is benched for Jared Stidham and is probably going to get traded. No, he is going to get traded. And then you have Trevor Lawrence. But Derek Carr is treating the Pro Bowl as like a tryout. He's showing... The rest of the NFL, hey, look what I got going on here. Even though it's not in games, like it's not in, we're not wearing pads, but like look at my accuracy. He's over here throwing darts, winning all these cool competition games as a quarterback and throwing some pretty good passes. 
And then Ryan Clark, after Derek Carr's impressive performance at the Pro Bowl games, uh, Ryan Clark had to ask Derek Carr about you know, playing on fire, and Derek Carr clapped back at the Raiders. Listen, Derek, you've thrown touchdown passes in Vegas before. You've been on fire. Have you ever been that hot in Las Vegas? Not that hot. It's uh, probably why I'm going somewhere else. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, probably why he's going somewhere else. I, I love that for Derek Carr. But, hey, a few teams are probably keeping their eyes on Derek Carr. And Derek Carr was a, a quarterback who dealt with a lot of crap with the Raiders. Uh, with the whole John Gruden situation, the Antonio Brown situation, the Henry Ruggs situation, the number of first-round picks over the last few years that were just complete flameouts in Las Vegas. The one positive, consistent thing going for the Raiders organization during that time was Derek Carr's leadership. Uh, and if it weren't for him, I mean, that would be a complete dumpster fire of a franchise. I mean, it already is, but Derek Carr was actually a competent leader. And I think one NFL team is looking at him like, he's our guy. Will is it the Jets? Who who will acquire a guy like Derek Carr? And I think Derek Carr, his next chapter will be a good one. I, I think one team will really maximize their usage of one Derek Carr. Um, also, some other NFL news today: uh, the Denver Broncos are reportedly trying to hire defensive coordinator Brian Flores. Now, the Arizona Cardinals are trying to get Brian Flores to be their next head coach, or at least he's interviewing with them. If the Cardinals whiff on Brian Flores, because to me, I think it's either Brian Flores, Vance Joseph as the last resort, or uh, the, I think it's Aaron Glenn from the Detroit Lions. He's their defensive coordinator. But if Brian Flores doesn't want to go to the Arizona Cardinals and opts to go and take the defensive coordinator gig with the Denver Broncos, i got to say that's a very solid move by Denver. You know, you get Sean Payton, and then you say, well, Yes, Sean Payton is a well-respected head coach. He can really work well with Russell Wilson. But what about defense? What about the other coaches that can really help out with this team? And Brian Flores, he holds guys accountable. He gets the best out of guys, and he maximizes situations. And the, the tank for two situation in Miami, he was out here trying to win games and actually developed a culture. It's a damn shame that the Miami Dolphins let him go. And so I think he is deserving of another head coaching gig. I thought the Arizona Cardinals would certainly make the move to hire Brian Flores. But, man, if he takes that Denver Broncos gig, uh, Sean Payton and Brian Flores, two competent head coaches really on the Denver Broncos roster, be pretty interesting. All right, uh, coming up next on Spears of Ali, Ali Farhang is joining us in studio for the last hour. And today is Michael Jordan Day. So we're going to talk about the greatness of Michael Jordan coming up next year on ESPN Radio. Happy Michael Jordan Day here on ESPN Tucson. Closing out hour number one of Spears and Ali. Ali Farhang joining us in studio. What's up, buddy? Happy Michael Jordan Day to you. Happy Michael Jordan Day. February 3rd. Yo, man. It's so 2023. Good. It's goat day, huh? It is. Yeah. He was, look, man, you know me. Magic Johnson is always going to be my favorite basketball player. 3-2. He's the greatest to me. Mm -hmm. But Michael Jordan was the greatest basketball player of all time. No doubt. And Kareem doesn't get mentioned enough. Close second. Yeah. But when the game was on the line, like, the guy was so clutch. I mean, we can go through all the moments. Yeah. MJ was the greatest. 
And it depends on like what you value when it comes to the, the greatest of all time conversation because if you look at the entire body of work with high school, college, and NBA, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the unquestionable GOAT. Is he, though? Because MJ's got more championships in the NBA. Y- yes. I'm saying the entire body of work. If you're looking at college, high school, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was that guy all this time. Yeah, that's true. Michael Jordan. He was, got cut in high school, so yeah. Was good. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> he got cut in high school. And he was good at North Carolina, but he also played on a loaded North Carolina team. Well, I mean, Kareem's um, teams at UCLA usually, were... They, they weren't Slashes either. Yeah, no, yes. I mean, it wasn't like Kareem and the Four Supremes. I mean, he Kareem and the Dual Jabbar and the Funky Bunch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he had he had some dudes with him, but uh, you know, like as far as the clutch factor and things that we'd never seen before, I mean, MJ was just you just knew he was going to win the game. Yeah, no matter what. Absolutely. Uh, a lot of cool stories have come along the way in Michael Jordan's career. Uh, when he went and played baseball for a couple of seasons. And uh, I think one of my favorite stories is uh, there's a, a, a famous hockey player. I'm blanking on who it is, but there was a, a really renowned hockey player. Mario and Lemieux. Mario Lemieux, yes. He played golf with Michael Jordan. <laughs> wow. It's, it's like I, I the just, biggest shot in the dark yeah. I've ever seen. Well, yeah. I'm a Penguins guy, right? So it's like Mario Lemieux, Yarmir Yager, Sidney Crosby. Malkin, I'm out. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no it, it's the mute. And he played golf with Michael Jordan, and they were betting on the golf course. And Michael Jordan played 36 holes of golf in one in one afternoon. Played 36 holes of golf, and then proceeded to go drop like 50 points that that night. It was Think not. It. it was not Mario Lemieux. It wasn't. No, uh, he played for the Blackhawks. Um, uh, starts with an R. I'll think about it. Okay, but anyway, so what happened was not not only did he play 36 holes, he drank a 12 pack of beer. Yeah, and then the golfers like, "You're gonna go play right now," and in, then they made another bet. He's like, "I bet you, I bet you, I drop at least 40 on the cast tonight," and he scored 46. <laughs> <That's insane. laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then uh, the food. Uh, Jeremy Roenick. That's Jeremy Roenick. It was Jeremy yeah. Roenick. Jeremy yeah, and then the flu game. We learned in the last dance that it wasn't the flu. When he was in Salt Lake City, he was really hungry. And let me let me tell you, late at night, the food options in Salt Lake City, very limited. It's like Mother Hubbard's cupboards in Salt Lake City anytime it gets past nine o'clock. Gotta catch your own food. Um yeah, seriously. And <laughs> Michael Jordan was looking for, hey, some food, I'm hungry. And then he wanted a pizza. And then when the pizza was delivered to the hotel when they were playing the Utah Jazz, Five guys delivered it. Not five guys at a restaurant. Like, five dudes at a pizza place came and delivered the pizza to the hotel. You don't think that's a little suspicious? And then, apparently, Michael Jordan, I ate the pizza. Nobody else. That, that's what he said. I ate the entire pizza, and the next thing you know, he's up at 3 a.m., hugging a toilet, just super sick. And you know what? Regardless of what the true story is, Ali, he still played that game not 100%. Whether he was... I know people are speculating that he was hungover, whether he was hungover, had the flu, or had food poisoning. Regardless, to go out and play like that in that condition, still impressive, man. That's yeah. the greatest of all time. And he he also, you know, iconic moments has the greatest push off before making an, uh, a game winning shot. It was not a push off, according to Byron Russell would disagree. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Costa says it's equivalent to a Mater D. 
showing the, <laughs> someone to their table. Yeah. Well, he sat him down. And then <laughs> he, he sat him down. And then he hit the shot. Or, I mean, the shot against Craig Hilo and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, you know, the 1994 against the Phoenix Suns. I mean, the Suns were the better team. Michael Jordan willed that that, that team to a victory. It's just unbelievable, man. The greatest of all time. Hour number two coming up next.